0: Welcome to the fourth episode of Sideline Chatter. I'm Will Owens, and I'm with uh, Montgomery Jordan and Dylan Shield. What's up? In today's episode, we have a special guest in Rihanna Slater. She's a uh, Christopher Newport University soccer commit, one-time state champion with soccer, and second-team all-district freshman and sophomore year.
1: Yeah, Rihanna! Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the pod.
2: Thank you. Very nice to be here. All
0: right, the first question we have for you today is... um, how did your journey with soccer start?
2: Um, I was little. My parents brought me to like a Y camp, uh, and I guess I just started playing soccer. It's just my dad plays soccer, so.
3: Any rec teams you want to shout out? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. So when we were little, I actually played on a team with Gummy Jordan, and that was Red United. Super fun. But yeah, that's when I definitely like really got into soccer, because we, we were kind of good.
3: And I just want to say we won multiple Frostbite tournaments and sunburn tournaments <laughs> uh-huh. and that's where wow. my personal career started. And that's Shout why I'm a champion to this Coach game. Franco
2: yeah. and Coach Slater. Yes.
3: <laughs> um, so in this journey with soccer, what were some eye opening moments for you where you knew that you wanted to play at the next level? Or maybe some moments where you thought you was time to call it, you didn't know if your soccer career was gonna continue?
2: Well, I did go through two ACL tears, so definitely the first one was rough since it was just um, I was kind of, I was doing really well actually, and like mentally I was, I was in it, and that was also my junior year, which is when recruiting usually happens um, if you're interested in going to college for a sport, and so during that time I was definitely kind of shaky on my like future and what I wanted to do, um, but then, you know, as recovery started going and I was getting better, you kind of just have to like make a decision, and I chose that I wanted to play soccer in college, yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, to expand upon the rehab process, um, what was kind of, like, your mentality going through with your first ACL and then kind of how the second one affected you? Because, obviously, it's brutal to have two. And if it was same leg, was it same leg or
2: different, different leg, yeah. too?
1: So, yeah. So, yeah, just kind of run us through your mindset of recovery and, like, how it first felt when you heard the news.
2: Um, For the first one of course you like hear about ACL tears you're just like oh that would never happen to me and then it happens and you're just kind of like stuck and you don't really know what's gonna happen so that one was definitely the one where like mentally I was shaky but then kind of just going through it you start like learning more about yourself and like what you can take and so that kind of that definitely mentally made me stronger so for the second one it was a lot better Um, because first of all you already know what's gonna happen and second you kind of already have that like plan in place Um,
3: Yeah. And that's a fan question from Chris Kelly. It
1: is, yes. (laughs) Shout out Chris.
0: Thank you, Chris. We have another fan question from Jamie Wilson. And uh she asked about the recruitment and commitment process and she's wondering how that went.
1: Especially with uh COVID nowadays. It's a lot different. Um,
2: so for me it was Actually, so Jayda Daniels, she did a huge, she had a huge part in my recruitment process. So going through the ACL tears, it cut me off from a lot of um, recruiting, and I didn't actually start until this year, really, or sorry, last year, 2020. And with COVID and everything, you can't really reach out to coaches, and for a lot of schools, they weren't allowing, or at least like D1 schools, you weren't allowed to go see them or anything. So... Um, that was definitely really kind of stressful for me cause I had no idea like really what the process was. So, um, Jay is committed to seeing you also. So is Ellie. Shout out Ellie. Um, but <laughs> all these shout outs, so fun. Um, anyways, so she, um, had a relationship with the coach already and she, he actually came, Jamie came to see Jaya play and then saw me and he needed a defender. So he asked about me and Ellie actually. But I think they were already talking. Um, And so he kind of reached through her to me, and then I started talking to Jamie. So um, it was a lot different than a lot of people's commitment just because, like, I didn't have to form a relationship with the coach. We kind of already had one through Jaya, which was super nice. Yeah, that's nice. Um, So, yeah, that definitely helped with COVID. And then after that, just had a visit and liked the school a lot. So... Committed. Committed.
1: So was it... It was the fall last fall when you talked to him or it was
2: yeah the so the fall of 2020 and then i visited mary washington as well but seeing you was kind of it for me so yeah Yeah. i heard Um, they
1: have super nice facility like d1 facilities yeah they
2: have and they share the weight room and everything with the football team so everything's super nice um and really like fun, and that was
3: that was during your like travel season, right?
2: Yeah, so that was during the travel season, so it kind of lined up perfectly, and it was also kind of like a nice, like last ditch effort, um, to kind of find a college. And then I ended up tearing my ACL again, so here. still here though.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so obviously, we talked about like commitment and recruiting, but obviously, you got to be a good player to commit at the next level. When you're working out, obviously, you're putting in a ton of work, um, so when you're out there on the field, like, what do you think makes a team? successful what's going through your mind that you want your team to do that you think is going to help them succeed
2: well i'm actually really lucky because i have um a team that i've been on forever soccer travel um been there since like u11 so i kind of have that like when you grow up with a team you kind of have a different dynamic because you all know each other um and so just playing with them it's a lot easier to have discussions and like um, For some teams, it can get a little hairy because people start getting mad at each other and everything, but I've been super lucky with my team because we are um, just, like, really good at being vocal and we all get along. So on the field, we kind of all have the same intent of, you know, going out there, being our best, but also, like, following the coach's directions, everything else. Um, what was the question?
3: Uh, what's going through your mind? So, like, team chemistry is obviously a big part for you Yeah. yeah. that you've been really lucky with.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, team chemistry and then also... You know, just scoring. Trying scoring. to stop people from scoring. And make yeah.
3: scoring the and simple. making sure the other team doesn't score. Yeah.
2: If you have
1: more goals than the other team you win. Yes. <laughs> exactly.
2: That's soccer, baby. <laughs> Basically the sport.
1: Um oh r- real quick too, uh, do you have a favorite like formation or um you know, like plan to attack? Uh, Tactical setup. Yeah.
2: I think we play with a four three four. 4-3-3. 4-3-3, yeah. Four, um, three. That was definitely my favorite, playing with them, just because we had our back line, you know. Um, Jaya, Meredith, back there, and um, goal. Not that, like, people knows everyone's names. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, it's just super nice to have such a solid back line. And then, um, it, at least with our formation, that really helped with our attacks because we had that solid back line. And then you have your 3-4, or start your 3-3 three, three mm-hmm. for attacking, so...
3: Your uh, offense
0: can build off such a sturdy back line.
2: Yep.
0: What do you think makes the defensive players or the uh, back line of a team the most effective?
2: Um, I think definitely it stems from your goalie, Um, and I've been super lucky with that because we have two very vocal goalies who are great at just, you know, making sure everyone knows where they should be marking. Um, But then also kind of coming off of that, you need to have two strong center backs that understand – kind of like what's going on in the midfield and like assigning players and all of that and so I think it really stems from just you have a good goalie that can direct your back line you have a back line that can direct everyone in front um and then just kind of having that dynamic of being able to play off e- of each other um knowing when to like recover or when someone's got it yeah so kind of just having that nice chemistry
3: cool yeah obviously communication is a huge key in that yeah. And so we know you have two great little brothers, shout out and Hayden, um, and obviously they're really good soccer players too, so how have you guys pushed each other, and what's that relationship like?
2: Um, They're, you know, they're my brothers, they're, we're kind of like just a soccer family, I don't really, we haven't played any other sports, and we actually have like a kind of a field in our front yard, so it's kind of just something we do in like the summers and stuff, um, but as they're getting older, they're getting more and more interested in like college and stuff like that, so they're definitely... Becoming a little bit more serious, but honestly, it was just about having fun, but since we're competitive Against each other. Um, that was definitely nice because everything was kind of
3: pushed each other Yeah,
2: yeah. we we definitely pushed each other
3: and maybe you're like a little bit of a role model them, Co- role model them. You, you know you'd, you'd like to think so <laughs> <laughs> But
2: yeah, I don't know how much they look up to me But I know that if they ever have any questions they they come to me. So super yeah. there you
1: go moving on to CNU specifically what are you most looking forward to and yeah what just got you excited about attending the college?
2: You know going through the second ACL tear all I wanted to do after the first one was play soccer and then you kind of just like have this big letdown where you're not able to so I'm definitely just so excited to go and play there. Also excited to go see my teammates there Ellie and j and then I mean it's CNU it's a beautiful campus so Definitely just excited for the whole experience, but for sure soccer. Take it all in, good college experience.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Is there any
1: specific majors or anything you're interested in academically?
2: Um, academically, I'm going towards a medicine something, pre-med. Some sort of medicine. Some, some sort of, some medicine. Sort of yeah. medicine, you know. And Sweet. they actually have a hospital across from the campus, so that's going to be super nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rihanna.
3: Rihanna. Appreciate it. Good luck in your college career. For sure. We will all be watching.
1: We We will. We'll
0: be keeping up. We're now going to be moving into the NFL segment of uh, this episode. First thing we have for today is um, to analyze Aaron Rodgers' NFC Championship performance against the Tampa Bay Bucks.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at this performance on paper, it looks good, his numbers are there, but he just he didn't play like he needed to in the big situations. His defense forced three turnovers in the game, three picks from Brady, and two in the fourth quarter that both resulted in three and outs. And I mean those are the drives you have to capitalize on when you are in a hole in a game like that. Yeah, like he just he hasn't been the same since he's won the Super Bowl. He's one and four in NFC championship games and he just he he needs to figure out a way to win, and I feel like he he doesn't have many chances left. Again, on paper he looked good, but I just didn't like the way he finished the game out, and his body language wasn't that great throughout the game either.
3: I mean, Aaron Rodgers like his body language is never good. It's like that's like why a lot of people hate him. Yeah, it's sad. Like, if you look at his stat line, thirty three for forty eight, three hundred forty six yards, three tutties in an in, Like he had a good game. Yeah. But it, it's like what you said. It's that fourth quarter thing. He's the MVP of the league this year. Like, he needs to draw. Like, they went three and out two times and then settled settled for a field goal. Obviously, the field goal, I'm not putting on him. But those two three and outs are terrible. And so he had a good game. He's a great quarterback. But, like, when it really mattered, he couldn't get his offense down the field. But I think it's also worth pointing out, like the Bucks have a really good defense. Yeah,
1: they stepped up. They in. made some great sacks on those yeah. both those three and outs, those big ones.
3: Their linebackers are so fast. Like, Barrett
1: played a great game.
3: Like on that third down on the goal line. Devin White is so good. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. On that third down the goal line, everybody was like, "Rodgers could have run. Rodgers could have want run." Yeah, but oh, like, no. their he linebackers get, are was, so much faster than that. him. He was gonna
0: get decked. He yeah. could have gotten within the three yard line. Yeah, he could have gotten closer. Then there would have been an easier touchdown. But I think more. To blame here is uh, Matt Lafleur. I don't. I don't like the uh, call for a field goal. I understand his thinking. I guess if they make that field goal, it's a five point game, and then they get the ball back, and there's less pressure on Rodgers. They don't have to go for two. They just get a touchdown. I mean, that kind of carries us into our next question, which is um, how How do you defend Matt Lafleur's decision by going for a field goal there in the final minutes of the game?
3: Yeah, I mean, I like Matt Lafleur. Like, he's a young coach. He's got a great offensive mind, but that's such poor, it's so, it's such passive coaching. Like you're in the NFC Championship against Tom Brady. Like it's so hard to get here. So I don't get why they're settling for a field goal. They've got the MVP on the goal line. It just doesn't make sense. Like he's playing to stay in the game, not playing to win the game. Um, so I'd be really disappointed if I was a Packers fan. And I, I like, like I said, I like Matt Lafleur. He's a good guy. He, he, like They scheme up a lot of fun plays. But that's such a terrible coaching decision. You got to go win the game there. Yeah, I, I agree completely.
1: It's an awful decision. Um, a P word decision, if you would say. <laughs>
0: um,
1: the P word, baby. Yeah, P word. Yeah, the analytics don't support doing that. Um, common sense doesn't support doing that. And again, if you are going to do that, again, it's a five point game. So why don't you at least like get like an onside kick or something to try to force that yeah, turnover or a, the a squib kick. Cause they were already prepared for an onside kick. So at least like try something in the middle to try to get recover, but
0: yeah, no, nope, nothing. Do you just, know how many timeouts they had? I they, had the two they had two, two minute and one and three. three. Really? Yeah. They had four timeouts. I mean, I guess that I mean kind of means, that, that, means that, you like you get a, it, you can get a stop, but still
1: you have the MVP on the eight yard line and you just need him to make a play and you trust that he's going to make that play for you. Like, the odds that you're back in that situation to score again are so low that you have to take it while it's there, and yeah, yeah. it's just it, it's sad because again, I think Rogers needed another one to like really boost
3: him up there. Solidify himself. Yeah, as, the, as one also, of the best all time. You got Tom Brady on the other side of the field. He's been here so many times. He's not giving away the exactly game. like you, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. completely right. You're playing with a veteran who knows what he needs to do in no, order you don't to don't get bet that against Tom first Brady down. in the
1: last two minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I 100 think
0: they should have gone for a touchdown there. I don't like that decision.
1: It'll cost them their season so maybe they will learn from it we'll see what do
0: we think about the um, referee situation with uh, the pass interference call on Chris Godwin late in the game to seal it for the bucks versus the missed call on Alan Lazard with no pass interference there
3: um I mean like I get being a ref is a hard job everything's happening so quickly you don't get a, you don't get a second chance I, like I understand that it's not easy to be a ref but they let him play the whole game. Like, they were letting him play. Uh, that was, like, well-known. So I just don't get, like, if you're not going to call the Lazard, uh, the, the call in Lazard that didn't get called, they let that fly. Like, I get that. But then when it comes down to the Godwin call that you did, uh, the pass interference, that you did call, like, it's so inconsistent. You just need to be consistent. So either let them play or call everything. And they didn't do that. And the thing that annoyed me about the Godwin call was, like, it happened, everybody kind of looked around, and then the flag came out. It was, like, late. Uh, so it's just so inconsistent. It's frustrating, and I'd be frustrated if I was a Packers fan.
1: Yeah, um, I completely agree with you there on the on the, the the whole game. Yeah, like you said, they were letting them play. There's a lot of hand checking, not a lot of calls made, and yeah, both calls were big because the Bucks scored points off that interception on the Lazard play, and obviously they sealed the game with the Godwin play. So yes, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm upset at the call. But again, it's just not an. Ex- I don't think that's enough of an excuse. Like y'all had a chance to tie the game, and you should be more upset at your coach than you should be with the refs, because, again, it's just inexcusable. What I really hate, what Lafleur
3: did. Yeah, I th- like, those calls didn't lose them the game. Like you yeah. can't say that. Yeah. But it's just inconsistent, so it's a little annoying. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just think the key with a uh, good ref, good referee play is um, just remaining consistent. Like sure. if you call some questionable pass interference calls you better be calling them for both sides that's where it gets weird.
1: So with great pleasure (laughs) I get to introduce our next topic and you know we're gonna leave Will up to this one just let him explain his thoughts and his views on you know the the Bills taking a fat L in the AFC championship that's tough um how do you feel what what went wrong and like, how do you fix this so in the future you hopefully I feel win good. a Super Bowl? I feel good. You feel good? Future wow.
0: Future in Buffalo is bright. Um, I think this is a really big year for Buffalo football. Um, Not big enough. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Josh Allen showed a ton of improvement. I think, uh, That's true. I think what we need to target now is some defensive players that can make plays in big situations. We have Trey White that... Um, I mean he's a star cornerback, but How other that? than that, we have, we have a pretty good secondary. Yeah. But I I mean we couldn't stop the Chiefs' passing game. Tyree Kill is so incredibly fast; it's just scary to watch him just run through the whole defense. And that was, I mean Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey in the red zone. You just couldn't stop them. And you can't be kicking field goals against the Chiefs. You're yeah. not you're not winning against the Chiefs if you're matching their touchdowns with field goals. Also, you guys were up big. Kind of, we were up nine. nine, Yeah, Yeah. that was off like a weird fumble kickoff. Yeah, Yeah. or fumble pun. Yeah, Yeah. and then missed the extra point. No, but um, we have the thirtieth overall pick in the draft. I think we target an offensive guard, get some extra protection around Josh Allen, and then. We're we're doing pretty good in cap space. I guess we need to cut some some players. I think we cut John Brown, wide receiver, to save some space. Yeah, and I don't then, like
1: him anymore with the room you already have.
0: Yeah, and injuries is weird. Um, I just think we need to, we need we need to have a good offseason. We have a good GM, Brandon Bean. I, I I like the future in Buffalo. All right, we're a quarter of the way through the NBA season, and um, Dylan and Gummy are gonna hand out their awards for this point in the season.
1: Yeah, um, for MVP, I have uh, Steph Curry. He's, he's, again, he's playing the same game he's always played, and it's just he has the ability to single-handedly take over a game and win when his team needs it. And the award is given out to the most valuable player. It's not necessarily the best player, but it's the most valuable player to one's franchise. And when you look at it like that, if the Warriors don't have Steph Curry, they don't have, six to seven of their wins this season and just like as you saw in the Lakers game the other night he took over and he won that game for them um so just like yeah for example like if the Nets didn't have KD that would not be as big of
3: a deal as the Warriors without Steph so I think the award has to go to Steph I mean I, I like I wish what I wish that it was the most valuable player on a team but the way that it's usually given out is like who's the who played the best on a really good team and looking at it like that, I think it goes to Joel Embiid. He's got 27 a game, 11 assists. He's playing great defense as usual, and he's shooting lights out. Uh, for him, he's shooting 40% from three, taking three threes a game, uh, 58% from the mid range, which is insane for him. That's some of the best shooting in the league. Yeah. Uh, and the, like when he plays, the 76ers are two and 12. When he doesn't, they're 0 and 4. So I think he's, he's like. I mean, I'm not the biggest Embiid fan. Um, but he's, he's playing lights out, so and the 76ers are doing really well, so I think the award will go to him.
1: Yeah, the only, th- the only problem with Embiid for me is, again, he has all those other stars around him. So, it's so it, it's fr- it is frustrating to see the award go to someone who is surrounded by all that talent, yeah. it's not individually like, just it's, them.
3: It's obviously so much easier for him because he's playing with a good team. Okay,
0: and uh, moving on to the uh, Rookie of the Year picks, who do you guys have?
3: Um, I mean, this isn't a hot take. I think he's a clear favorite. I got LaMilla Ball. Uh, He's fourth in total points for rookies, first in rebounds, first in assists, first in steals. He's coming off the bench. Obviously, he hasn't been crazy efficient. He's been pretty inefficient. Honestly, he's not consistent. Yeah, uh, he doesn't play great defense, but I think he's just had the biggest impact out of any of the rookies. And I think he's just he's the pick because he's the flashiest. He had the most hype around him, and he might be the Hornets' second best player. Obviously, Gordon Hayward's playing really well, Uh, but I think the biggest thing is like Terry. Terry's definitely better than Lamelo right now. Maybe. Um, the biggest thing for me, like if I'm looking at random stat line for him, is like when he's on the floor, he's assisting on thirty-seven percent of his team's buckets, which shows off his passing ability. So it's not a hot take, but I think right now, uh, the voters are gonna go Rookie of the Year for Lamelo Ball.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take an interesting one here with uh, Emmanuel Quickly out of Kentucky. He plays for the Knicks. Uh, He's he's played well so far this season. He just He's very inconsistent, just like Lamello. As a lot of rookies this year have not been consistent, not continuously night in, night out playing well. Um, he had 31 the other night against the Blazers, uh, shot the ball exceptionally exceptionally well in that game, it was 5 for 8 from 3. Um, the only downside to quickly is he's his shot selection sometimes is not the best, and he takes sometimes forces things. He's only shooting 39% from the field, 34 from 3. So I think if he finds a way to be more consistent throughout the season, then he could for sure end up as being the front runner for the rookie of the year. Um, he also, yeah, he's a great playmaker. Me- play he's had an assist in every game he's played in this year, and he also grabs boards on the defensive end. So he does. He does all things. He just he's he's inconsistent, like the rest of this class is. Yeah,
3: at least that's a fun pick. Yeah. <laughs> for our final award, we have um, the most improved player. Um. So I just want to start off this segment with. Not a Christian would diss, but I know there's a lot of hype around him. Oh, he's playing really well this season. I can't take that away from him. He's been really good this season. But it's the most improved player award. And if we look last year, the final two months of the season, he was averaging 23-10-2, which are really good numbers. So I think he improved last season. And for that reason, I want to give it to somebody who improved this season. And so this is another heavy favorite. I mean, maybe not heavy favorite, but obviously a player who's been in the headlines recently with Jalen Brown uh brown scoring he's scoring 27 points per game which are astonishing numbers 44% of his threes are going in super efficient and he's you know he's he's a two-way player he plays d yeah. um but what's like even more like interesting to me is like the Celtics are a really good team they have some really good players and brown looks like the best player on their team so that's why mm-hmm. i want to Tatum go been injured wait him. till
1: Tatum gets fully back uh, Tatum washed up <clears throat> so much cat. <laughs> yeah that's a good take yeah i like brown he has improved a lot his offensive games improved tremendously. Um, but, you know, I think it's time people start putting some damn respect on DeAndre Hunter's name. UVA? He has improved tremendously this year. Um, five points per game, uh, 10% in total field goal percentage, 11% in free throw percentage, and his rebound steals and blocks have all gone up. I do think if DeAndre Hunter can continue to improve and even he. As you can see lately, he's been putting up 20-plus in many games. So if he can continue like that, then I think he can make a name for himself in the most improved player conversation. If not this year, possibly next
3: year. Also, it's important to remember, like, we're only a quarter of the way through. Right? Exactly. We so so left. much can happen. Exactly. Injuries,
1: wild, you know. How long did Lin's sanity happen throughout the season? Probably like halfway. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and now look at Jeremy Lin. Where is he? China. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he might be on
1: a G League team. I think he would have signed.
3: Who knows? <laughs> Speaking of UVA basketball, though, um, we
1: wanted to talk a little bit about the recent success and what we like for them
3: when it comes to the tournament, March Madness. Uh, I mean, like, UVA's definitely gotten better. Um, and I think part of that is because Tony Bennett has, like, gotten his coach. rotation down. Yeah. Um, Finally understanding pack line Yeah, like... To- yeah, this is a this is a kind of a weird UVA team because they're not that good defensively. They're still good, don't get me wrong, but they're like really good Individu- offensively. Individually,
1: they're not as good.
3: defensively. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, like if we're looking at UVA's future, I could see them winning the ACC. But like we saw a preview with Gonzaga, they got blown out, uh, and I think they've definitely improved since then. So I could see them making a run, but I don't think they're like a contender. Good team, though. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I'm similar there. I think I need to see these last couple ACC games to really understand where they fit in and the whole bracketology thing. Um, if they continue to play like they did uh, the other day against Clemson, great game, um, then I mean, who knows. But, and again, who knows when March comes around, wild stuff happens. But if Sam Hauser and Kihei continue this type of play, then I think they are a hard team to beat, especially because they're so scrappy on the defensive end. Because when a team like that gets up on you, it's so challenging to claw back because every bucket's a tough bucket. But we should see.
3: When. Also, shout-out to Kihei Clark. Doing it for the little guys. Yeah, <laughs> Mad <first>. respect. Mad <laughs> respect. Bro, better make it to the league. <laughs> yes, sir. League him.
0: Um, yeah, I think that EVA, it's been exciting recently. I think we just got to watch the these next few games. Big game on Saturday against Virginia Tech. Huge. I think we gotta uh, after after that game we'll have a better idea. And That's then a good team, Florida so. State. Soon after that, it's just these late season ACC games that are really gonna matter. But um, I think there's optimism there for sure. Thank you guys for uh, tuning into the fourth episode of Sideline Chatter. I'd like to say uh, thank you to Rihanna Slater for yeah, joining us today.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Up next. Up next. <laughs>